Father, Father, when we all get to heaven, what a joyous day that will be. When we all get to see Jesus, how glorious of a day that will be. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, that Jesus Christ is our Savior, our hope, and one day we will get to see Him face to face. Thank you, Father, for being present with us today, being in this room, for us encountering you. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. I looked over at little Paul earlier in the service. And I said, if that don't light your fire, your wood's completely wet. (laughs) I heard that many, many years ago, and that is so true. Thank you so much, worship team, for a great time of worship today. Thank you so much. Thanks to us for Jacob being here and for all the vocals that God has sent this way. Wow. It is so good to encounter the Lord through worship and song in the morning. This morning, we are going to turn our hearts now from song to Scripture. So if you want to follow along, I hope you have a a Bible in your hand. you got a copy of God's Word somewhere because I want you to be able to look in your Word and be able to discern what it says today. Because today is going to touch the heart and mind of some of you because some of you are like me and you've made some dumb decisions in your life. Some of you have made really good decisions in your life. One of the the best decisions I ever made was looking at Jane in the eye on one knee, dressed up like Prince Charming at sunset at Lake Lanier with a glass ring box in my hand and said, Will you marry me? (laughs) Now she made the dumb decision of saying yes, but I made the right decision to ask her. But... I don't know about you, but there are some things in my life that I had sought counsel with, that I had talked with people, I had prayed about, and I went ahead and made a decision, and it wasn't a good decision. And you know, we all find ourselves in situations where we wind up doing something that we look back on and we go, man, if I had that to do over. I wish life had an undo button, like on the computer, whenever you do something and you mess it up, you accidentally hit delete, you can hit undo or control Z and it'll undo the whole thing and and you're able to get back what you lost. But in life, we don't have an undo button. And we all have a tendency of doing dumb things. And today, we're going to be looking at this idea and we're going to be expounding upon, leaning into this idea of how we can avoid making The wrong turn, making the wrong decisions. As a matter of fact, let me bring it down just a little bit more. How can I be sure to follow God's plan and His will for my life every day in each decision that I make? Because if I'm following God's will and God's plan, then everything's going to turn out to be okay in the end. But if I follow what I think is right, this world to be in a worse place than it already is in. You know, today I go in with this idea that all things is under God's control. God is sovereign and nothing enters into my life that does not pass through the fingers of God first. 
the good, the bad, the ugly, my dumb decisions, God is not surprised by any of it. They are for His glory and for our good. Now, knowing God's will is a journey of faith. Knowing God's will isn't simply a moment and a decision, but it is a journey of faith that God will take us on to bring us to a destination that we may not be quite aware of quite yet. Because that journey of faith takes one step at a time. Our faith does not leap like a, 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 a not a cantaloupe, that's a, a, a melon, come on. An antelope. It doesn't leap like an antelope or a kangaroo. That was funny, wasn't it? Cantaloupe, antelope. It's close. One of them will not leap at all. you got to throw it. But it sure does taste good. I'd like to have some cantaloupe right now, wouldn't you? Okay. But this morning, our faith is something that is one step at a time that we take. It is a journey. And God's will is that journey going from one place to another. Now, we have been talking about this man by the name of David, and we've been doing this series, and what I love about just going through the Bible, chapter by chapter, or verse by verse, we come across things that really matter to us that we normally would not even discuss, probably. But today, I want to give you some context of where we are in 1 Samuel chapter 23. Just right before chapter 23, we're going to look at something that, that is important for us to see what happens in 23. In chapter 22, what happens is, is David, he actually he goes to this place and he asks for some bread. And he gets some bread. He winds up getting the, the sword from Goliath. And while he's there at this priest's house, he notices someone that is there as well whose name is Doeg. Doeg is a shepherd of, of Saul, is what it says in chapter 22. But Doeg is familiar with Saul. They are acquainted. Doeg is part of Saul's close-knit group, apparently. And, but David notices this guy there, but does nothing, says nothing, and just kind of ignores him. Well, what happens is Doeg comes to Saul and says, Saul, I saw King David. He was over at Ahimelech's house. He was getting a sword. He's getting some bread. So Saul gets together and he calls for this guy, Ahimelech, who is a priest, who is a preacher, if you will. He is a holy man that comes in and he asks him and, and, and asks him about David being there. And Ahimelech says, hey, this is what I do. And I, and I uh, asked God, I inquired of God on behalf of David. And yes, he was there. So Saul, being the man he was, he turns to someone else to get, his, get to him to do his dirty work. He looks at Doeg and he says, Doeg, turn around and kill him. So Doeg takes his sword, not only kills Ahimelech, but 84 other priests, other holy men wearing what's called an ephod that sets them apart as, as the ones that people would come to and, and they could work in the temple and they could do the sacrificing and they could do that kind of work. So 85 people died because David was silent and he did nothing. Now you may say, was, was that something that bothered David? I want us to, to look in verse 20 of chapter 22. But one son of Ahim, Ahimelech, the son of Ahatub, 
named Abathar escaped and fled after David. In other words, he was number 86. He fled after David. And Abathar told David that Saul had killed the priests of the Lord. Then David said to Abathar, I knew on that day when Doeg the Edomite was there that he would surely tell Saul. In other words, he is saying Doeg is a tattletale. He is not going to keep anything to himself. And here's what David says. I have brought about the death of every person in your father's household. David put the death of all 85 of those men upon himself. He understood and realized he had made a decision and all 85 of those men died in that moment. Stay with me, he said. Do not be afraid, for he who seeks my life seeks your life, for you are safe with me. Now David is dealing with this moment when, when he, more than likely from what we're seeing here in the Scriptures and, and how I'll read this, is that David is dealing with a sense of guilt. Man, I have made a mistake. Eighty-five people lost their life. Because David knew that guy would not keep it quiet. He did not warn the priest. He did not do anything about Doeg. He just kind of went in. As a matter of fact, if you look all the way back in chapter 22, at the very beginning of it, David actually tells a lie to the preacher. He says that the king had sent him. So I submit to you today that David was in a state of mind in chapter 22. A good friend of mine, we were talking about David this week, and he said, here is David. He was an old country boy who was out there with the sheep, thrust into the city life in the busyness and all the political mumbo-jumbo going on, and David got distracted. I would agree with that. David got distracted, and he went in trying to do his own thing with this priest. He begins with telling a lie. That's not the characteristic of David. Not a man pursuing God's will and God's heart. And here is David dealing with guilt of a bad decision. Let me tell you, those moments will change you. There might be somebody today who can think of a, a mistake you've made in your life. And that mistake cost your family, their home. It may have cost you your job. It may have cost you your marriage or your children or your relationship with your parents. I know that there are people today who walk around feeling guilty and bad about decisions that you have made. But before we go any further, let, let me tell you something. There is a thing called grace and forgiveness. And as we seek God's grace and His forgiveness, we can find hope. But let's look at and see what happens to David. So let's pay close attention here to David in chapter 23, verses 1 and 2. Then they told David, saying, Behold, the Philistines are fighting against Keilah and are plundering the threshing floor. So David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go and attack these Philistines? And the Lord said to David, Go and attack the Philistines and deliver Keilah. Now the very first thing about David here is he did not keep his personal safety as his main focus. Even though he felt guilty about what had happened to him in his life, maybe he was motivated to not see anybody else die, but he did not say, you know what, I'm just going to hang out in the cave until I become king. David did not simply say, this is all about me being careful and being safe. 
David understood when he heard about the enemy attacking this town, he said, I need to do something about this. By the way, this town was only about three miles away from this cave of Adullam, which we talked about last week. So David hears about the Philistines being there, and David gets his men, and they go out because he was not simply focused about his own personal well-being, about taking care of himself. He was not looking only to himself. He was looking to God to guide him. Second thing, he did not let people dictate the agenda. Look in verse 3. But David's men said to him, Behold, we are afraid here in Judah. How much more then if we go to Calah against the ranks of the Philistines? Then David inquired of the Lord once more. And the Lord answered him and said, Arise, go down to Keilah, for I will give the Philistines into your hands. So David and his men went to Keilah and fought with the Philistines, and he led away their livestock and struck them with a great slaughter. Thus David delivered the inhabitants of Keilah. David's own men said, We're scared to death over here in the cave of Adullam. We're afraid here in Judah. Saul wants to kill you, me, and all of us. Are you sure you've heard from the Lord? They were questioning what David had said. And David, he did go back and ask the Lord. He said, Lord, are you sure? Because maybe I'm hearing from other people that maybe I didn't hear you right, but why don't you just tell me again, is it right for us to go and attack the Philistines? And the Lord said, yes, go attack them, you will be delivered. So once he decided to do that, he went and his men followed him. Why did his men who were afraid follow David? I believe it's because they understood that David heard from the Lord and they trusted the man hearing from God and said, we're going to go with David. If God has told David that to go, we're going to go. It made no sense to them. This is, this is really their first battle. They're, they're a little nervous. They're scared. These were not simply warriors. They were farmers. They were just regular folk. David had been training them. But out they go to do something that worried them and scared them. But they went and God delivered them just as he had said. David did not let people dictate his agenda in his life. Third thing, he did ask God to set the agenda and to enlighten him. He did ask God to set the agenda, not the people, but God. In, in the following verses, you will find that it came about when Abathar, the son of Ahimelech, fled to David at Keilah, that he came down with an ephod in his hand. And when it was told Saul that David had come to Keilah, Saul said, God has delivered him into my hand, for he shut himself in by entering a city with double gates and bars. In other words, this town, Keilah, was a small town, and it had gates, it had bars. It was now that David's in there, Saul thought, I got him. I've got him. He is cornered. I want to take, care, take him out. But don't miss what happens. Verse now, now. Now David knew that Saul was plotting evil against him, so he said to Abathar, the priest, Bring the ephod here. Then David said, O Lord God of Israel, your servant has heard for certain that Saul is seeking to come to Keilah to destroy the city on my account. I want to pause there just for a second. He's coming to destroy the city on whose account? On David's. Remember the 85 who got killed? They were killed because of David. 
David is concerned about this city that he has delivered. He is concerned that they are going to be killed and destroyed because of him. But he also knows something else about the people. Even though he has delivered them, look at verse 11. Will the men of Keilah surrender me into his hand? The very ones that I have worked to rescue and help, are they going to give me up? He asks of the Lord. And you know what the Lord said? Yes and yes. Yes and yes. The will of God is not measured by a great outcome of what you think it should look like. Ladies and gentlemen, here's what happens in our life. We think that God's will should look like what we like and what makes us comfortable because we live in America. God should bless us among, uh, above all other people because we have lived in a land of blessing. And we live among people who have been blessed. So if God's will is God's will, it's going to be something good, right? Well, we see here where God says, Yeah, Saul's coming. And yes, the people of that town that you just rescued, the very ones that you put your life on the line for, they're going to give you up. So David and his men, they scatter and they go out into the mountains. And Saul sought him every day. You can find this in verse 14. Saul sought him every day, but God did not deliver him into his hand. Because David had sought the will of God and his direction and left it, all the details up to him. Here's what I want you to get today. This is the message God laid on my heart that somebody needs to hear. You need, somebody better write this down because this is important for you. Knowing God's will, you will never, ever, ever, never, no, not ever, know God's will while you're seeking your own. As long as you're seeking your own personal way, your own will, your own outcome, the way you think it should be, you're never going to see God's will because you're only looking at yours. You're trying to get God to fit into your box as to what you want it to be like. As a matter of fact, it is hard to hear God's voice when you're all, you've already decided what He needs to be saying. You've got to be careful that you don't let your will and your direction override what God is wanting you to do in your life. We often come to the Lord and we give Him yes or no questions. David gave Him yes or no questions here. But sometimes we're, we're not willing to change the question. Sometimes we're not asking the right question of God because our questions are self-focused and self-centered on what we want rather than what God wants. David, twice here we read, in fact, three times, he inquires of the Lord. Now, God will open doors and He will close doors, but I can tell you, just like Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, Christ's call on our lives is not to come and shine or even come and grow, but to come and die. We have to die to our own self-plans, our own self-will, our own self-desires, our own self-dreams to pick up God's dreams and God's will. Now, God's going to plant stuff in your heart, but if you look at your heart before you look at God, you're never going, going to experience the joy of being in the center of God's will. Ladies and gentlemen, you will never know God's will for your life as long as you're com continuing to seek your own will in everything that you do. 
Now, I found it very interesting as I was studying and as I was praying through this that David asked Ahimelech to bring the ephod this second time. And that was curious to me why David would say, Hey, Ahimelech, bring the ephod down here. Let's uh, inquire of the Lord. Here is why. There's a thing that came with the ephod with, without sounding too theologically crazy. The Urim and the Themium was something that was inside the ephod that was like a two-sided coin. It worked like heads or tails. Works like this. Where you want to eat today? I don't know. Where you want to eat? I was thinking McDonald's. Well, I was thinking Smokehouse. Where you want to go? I don't know. Let's flip a coin. Heads, we go to McDonald's. Tails, we go to Smokehouse. Tails, it's a Smokehouse. <laughs> Good choice. <laughs> That's the way this, this thing worked inside the ephod. It was a flip of the coin. And they trusted that God would cause the flip of that coin to give them direction. Now, ladies and gentlemen, you may be sitting there going, Pastor, what in the world? We don't have ephods. Are you saying we need to be flipping coins to find God's will? No, because here's the thing. This is in the Old Testament, and the only way they heard from God was to go to a priest, and that priest had to be in a place and a condition where he could actually hear from God on your behalf. Ladies and gentlemen, there was a priest that left heaven and came to earth and lived and died on a cross to give us access so we don't have to go to no preacher and ask him, well, tell me what God wants me to do. The ephod that David had to use was completed on the cross of Calvary through Jesus Christ. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're seeking God's will today, you don't have to ask my opinion. You can if you want. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to ask you one question. I've asked this many times when people are struggling. Here's the question. What do you feel like God wants you to do? Yeah, it may sound like a good plan. It may sound like the right thing to do. It may sound like the right direction. But ladies and gentlemen, unless God directs you to do it, don't do it. Unless God directs you to do it, don't even move in that direction. David understood a principle we need to get a hold of, and that is we need to be inquiring of the Lord the things that we have in our life. Should you apply for that promotion at work? Have you asked God about it? Should I get a new car? Have you asked God about it? But my bank account is where I've been saving up. Listen to me. Ask God first and you'll be in the center of His will. As long as you're seeking your own will, you'll never walk in the center of God's will. David understood before I move, because I've already made a mistake in my life. Eighty-five men lost their life because of me. I want to know what God says, because regardless of what happens then, I don't have to carry around the guilt because God told me to do it. Do you follow me? Because this is something important for us to understand. That's a great principle. But ladies and gentlemen, think of the gift and the blessing we have today. We don't have to seek an ephod or flip a coin to find out what God wants. All we got to do is call on His name. He hears us because the Holy Spirit dwells in us. And Christ came to be that priest, to be that intercessor for us. In fact, Jesus is on the right hand right now interceding for you and I. When we don't know what to pray or how to pray it, the Holy Spirit will pray for us. We need to understand today that if we need to know a direction for our life we already got a direct line we don't have to dial up somebody 
to find out if they will pray for us to get the direction from God so that we'll know what to do. Because of Jesus Christ, ladies and gentlemen, we can know what God wants in our life. Now, I'm going to be very honest, though. I'm going to be real with you. How I wished it worked as good for me as it did for David. Did you read verse 2? So David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go and attack these Philistines? And the Lord said to David, Go and attack the Philistines and deliver Keilah. Man, I wish God answered me like that. I wish when I asked God a question, He would just give me an answer just as quick as that. And as clear as that. Sometimes He wants to. But there's so much noise in my life. And there's so much of my own personal desires of what I want in my life. I can't hear what He's saying. The Lord is not going to shout at you. He is not going to scream above the noise you got going on all around you. He's not going to beat you over the head whenever you are ignoring His Word, ignoring His church. You're running away from what He wants in your life and making spiritual things, number one. He's not going to shout over your phone. He is not going to, to make Facebook go away. If we will just stop in the stillness and the quiet, we can hear the Lord speak. Today, we like to throw out fleeces. We like to say, well, Lord, Lord, if, if I open up Facebook and I'm scrolling through that news feed and I see Paul on there, I'll call him today. But if I don't see Paul's name on that Facebook, I'm not even going to call him. And you start scrolling. Oh, look at that. That's, that's interesting. I'm going to like that. I'm going to like that. Next thing you know, you're off in la-la land somewhere. You try to say you're going to use it for the Lord. But what happens is you get so distracted and there's so much noise, you can't hear what God says. Some of us... Lord, do I have to say that? Some of us need to stop listening to the news. Some of us need to turn... The TV off. Some of us needs to stop streaming so much. Some of us needs to take our phone instead of just continually charging it and leaving it on. You need to hit the power. You know, you may not know even know how to turn your phone off. If you hold the power button on, on for a while, there's going to be a thing that will pop up and it will say power off or restart. Hit power off occasionally. There is so much noise in our life we can't hear from the Lord. David was in a position where he was desperate. He needed an answer from the Lord. So he was going to the thing that he knew was connected to God that he could hear and answer. Ladies and gentlemen, there is one thing in this world that is connected to God so you can get an answer. And there is but one, and that is Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, the Jesus of Nazareth who came and lived and died on a cross and rose from the grave. It is only through Him you'll know what God's will is for your life. It's not going to be through religion. It's not Catholicism or Methodist or Baptist. It is not trying to read the Koran or, or any of the other religions in this world. It's not even trying to be good. It is only through Jesus Christ, that you will be able to hear from God and know His will for your life. There isn't anything. There's not another option. It's only through Jesus that you'll discover God's will for your life. David, 
inquired. He got answers because he was seeking the one who created all things. See, David's priorities changed after he messed up. David understood, let me go back to my roots and find out from the Lord what he wants me to do. There may be some of you today that's got questions in your life wondering, what do I need to do about my job? What do I need to do about my kids? What do I need to do about, about uh, my finances? Or, or you may have other questions. Let me tell you something. God wants to answer your questions. But don't be looking for your answer from Him. I would challenge you with this. Ask God, am I asking the right question, Lord? Am I asking the right thing? There have been times in my life when I've been asking a question and asking a question. It seemed like the Lord was silent. He was silent. And, I, and, and, and I'm like, Lord, why are you so quiet on this? I don't understand. Why don't you give me an answer? And then it would hit me one day. I'm asking the wrong question. When I would step back and begin to see it more from God's perspective, I'd realize I've been trying to get an answer that I wanted. Matthew chapter 6, Jesus himself said, Seek the kingdom of heaven first, and all these things will be added unto you. Seek the Lord, and all these answers will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened unto you. Keep knocking, keep seeking. I love what one person said, and I'm just going to tell it to you straight up. You can't say God is silent if your Bible is closed. You may not be hearing from God because you're tuned into the wrong station. You're listening to the wrong music, you're listening to the wrong people, and you're not opening up your ears to the one and only who created the universe, who knows your story from beginning to end, who understands your situation. Oh, you may feel like he don't know and he don't understand, but ladies and gentlemen, he does. He understands it better than you do. What do we need to do with this? Well, I believe we need to ask God before I decide to do something. I have even asked God, what gas station do I need to stop at? And some of you may say, well, that's just plain silly. Why are you asking God what gas station to stop at? Because I'm trying to find the cheapest gas. <laughs> we can ask God of anything. When we get into the habit of seeking His direction and will for our everyday life, He will be able to tell us which way to go in the most important parts of our life. But if we only wait till we have a big decision to ask God His, His opinion, His direction, His will, we're going to find ourselves lacking and not hearing. I'm reminded of the Lord's model prayer here. Jesus said, you are to pray like this, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy kingdom come. Thy kingdom come. On earth as it is in heaven. If that's the model prayer, why have we gotten away from praying like that? And instead of, God, you have your will today. You do something in my life 
that I may not even have on my calendar and expect it. But we would prefer to pray. Let's be honest. God, do not interrupt my plans today. I got a project due and I got stuff I got to get done. Do not interrupt what I've got planned. Or we can't even do this. Let's just get real. Lord, I got this vacation plan that I haven't asked you anything about. I haven't given any of the money that you've given to me to the church or, or, or to your work or to your ministry. I've saved everything for this vacation. My family really needs this, God. Haven't asked you where to go, what to do while we're there. But Lord, would you bless our vacation, Lord. Rain down your grace and mercy and blessings upon our vacation. Now I'm stepping on toes. God has not called me to make you feel good, but to help you become holy before Him. We must seek God in our decisions and seek His direction and His will. And sometimes we have to be patient and we have to wait and we have to say, Lord, here's the question. Can't you answer it like David, you know, and just tell me right now so I know what to do? Sometimes we have to wait. But when we do get an answer, we need to respond quickly and without delay. We need to obey. George Washington himself, first president of the United States, said, Make sure you are doing what God wants you to do. Then do it with all your strength. Don't delay. If God asks you to buy a pack of water, or if God asks you to give a water to somebody, do it. Even if they scare you. Second thing, seek to build God's kingdom at the cost of my kingdom. Seek to build God's kingdom at the cost of my comfort, of what would make me happy. Seek His kingdom above all things to glorify Him and to build Him up and to lift Him up. Sean stood in this pulpit just a few weeks ago. He said something that was powerful. I wrote it down and highlighted it. And today, Sean Estridge, I'm going to quote you from the pulpit. <laughs> Sean Estridge has, has said, God wants those things we feel we cannot live without. God wants those things in your life you feel like you cannot live without. It's not that He wants to take them away from you. He wants you to relieve control of them to Him. Stop putting them between you and God, but release them to Him. Seek to build God's kingdom at the cost of your own. You want to know God's will for your life? You want to make good decisions? You want to avoid bad decisions? Stop trying to build your own kingdom and seek the things that make you happy and seek the things that make Him happy. Be willing to say, oh, Lord, come on. I was going to use that money for that new game. I was going to use that money as a down payment, Lord. You mean you want me to give it? Come on. How about I just give 90% of it? We'll keep the 10% and we'll be quiet about it. By the way, let me remind you in Acts chapter 5, somebody lied to God about giving all that God had given to them and they dropped down dead. So be careful making deals with God and the devil at the same time. Today, God may be asking you to give up something. Or maybe you have a question 
You're trying to figure out something in your life. Let me tell you, God doesn't want part of your life. He wants all of it. He doesn't want just your Sunday morning. He wants your Monday, your Tuesday, your Wednesday, your Thursday, your Friday, and your Saturday. And your all-day Sunday. He wants you to understand that what you do needs to be directed by Him, and you're going to find you're making better decisions. And sometimes you're going to find yourself, you've done something, and man, that just did not turn out well. But you can step back and go, but you know what? God, you're going to have to fix that. I just did what you told me to do, and now that's a big mess. That's, that's you now. You take care of it. That's the, exact, that's the exact attitude we need to have. If God tells us to do something, let Him handle the outcome. You're responsible for what He's asked you to do. So today, you may be wondering what I need to do. Understand that it's the presence of God when you're under the authority of God that you can glorify God and what you do and the decisions that you make, you will follow His direction and will for your life. For your seven-day challenge, if you would like to do this, I challenge you to write down the question you have or a question that comes up this week or something you're wondering about or something that's troubling you, something you need God's direction on, something that you need to inquire of the Lord. And I want you to take it and put it at Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 9. Because Philippians chapter 4, 6 through 9 in your Bible addresses this idea of making a request to God. Philippians chapter 4. Verse 6 says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. But do not stop reading there. Read the next verse because it is connected to it. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. Here's what happens. Oftentimes, we will have a question and we'll ask God a question. We got a good question. It's an important question. It's a question that we need an answer to. And a lot of times we'll say, oh, Lord, <laughs> I'm asking you this question. Please tell me the answer. Let me know what I need to do. Okay, Google, let me, um, let me search my question you know what we do we take the question to the Lord we take our inquiry we take what we need to know and we say Lord you can have this Jesus this is your question I need to know what you say about this in my life I need a direction I need you to work I need you to Lord my son needs your help Lord would you would you heal him? 
Lord, I'm going to give it to you. This is yours. Lord, my son's got a surgery coming up at 10 o'clock on Tuesday. I'm worried. I'm going to give it to you. You be with the doctors and the nurses and fix it. Oh, I'm so worried. Here's what we need to do. We need to take our questions and our worries. We need to take it to the cross. And that's where it needs to stay. We need to take our concerns, our questions about our life, and we need to take it to the cross and leave it there. This morning's going to be a little different. We're going to need some help from the deacons, I hope and pray. Or there may be nobody come up front. But this is completely up to the Lord, what He's dealing with in your heart. What are you worried about? What are you anxious about? What question do you have about your life? What is bugging you? What thing? Man, if God would only speak in this area in my life. I want you to write it down. Write it on that blank piece of paper. We've got some, uh, a notepad over here. We've got prayer cards. You can write on the back of it, whatever. But here's what I dare you to do. I dare you this morning to come up here during our time of singing and worship. Say, Lord, I don't want anything else but you. I'm giving this to you. And I'm leaving it right there at the cross. I'm leaving it with Jesus. I'm going to turn. I'm going to walk away. It, this is yours. You're going to have to answer the question. Because I'm going to leave it with you. You know one thing I noticed about David? David did not continually, when he inquired of the Lord, said, come on God, answer me. Hello, are you there? Now you'll read some Psalms where he does do that. You'll read other places where, like the lady, she kept knocking and inquiring of the judge and how Jesus said, we need to do the same in prayer. Keep knocking, keep seeking, keep looking but here's what I want to ask you to do today. Take that thing that's heavy in your life. Will you bring it to the Lord and just leave it with Him? Inquire of Him and leave it with Him to give you an answer. Father, this morning we just want to thank You. And Lord, we don't need an ephod. We don't need some priestly man to come. And we don't need to flip a coin to hear what you have to say into our life. Father, sometimes we've made it too much. We've made it more of about me. We've made it about us rather than about you. Lord, and I'm sorry. Lord, we come to you today wanting nothing else but you in our life to move, to bring us answers and direction. Lord, Jesus is our ephod. Jesus is the place we can go to get an answer because of his sacrifice. We have a direct line to you. So today, may this be the day that someone finds an answer they've been looking for. 
May today be the day that they feel God moving their life like they haven't in a long time. That they will get an assurance and a peace that surpasses all understanding that they'll know what to do. Lord, today is the day to take those questions and inquiries and bring it to you and leave it there. Father, today, if somebody does not have a relationship with you, if somebody has not accepted Jesus Christ, they can cry out all they want, but Lord, it is only through Jesus that you can hear our supplications beyond. Lord, save me. Lord, that's a very difficult theological thing to even discuss, and people's going to have questions about that, but Lord, you're waiting to hear from someone who's lost. Forgive me and take over my life. I have sinned. And then the Holy Spirit comes and dwells in them. And then that Holy Spirit is the connection of interceding. Lord, I pray today if somebody does not know Jesus, they don't have this ephod in their life. They don't have this connection with you. I pray that right now you'll convict their heart so, so much that they have to cry out and say, God, forgive me and take over my life. I need you and nothing else. I don't need an answer to a question of all the doubts I have. I just need you. Father, I pray you move over these next few moments in someone's life. In Jesus' name we pray. Would you please?